I know I call myself dumb, but I didn't think I was going to be completely blindsided by meditation. You sit, close your eyes, and think about just breathing, right? It seems pretty easy as a concept, but apparently I'm wrong. And not just a little wrong, but grossly incorrect. It can be done with your eyes open, with a sound or a phrase, and even while walking. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Shai Tabali. Shai is a meditation teacher, yogi, and psychosocial method developer. He's here today to help us better understand the wide world of meditation, how anyone can do it, and the benefits it can bring to your life. With over 20 years in practice and a new book covering 35 different meditation practices from around the world, I think Shai is the perfect guest to help us all understand. Let's find our deeper selves in the here and now. Welcome to the show, Shai Tabali. Hello, I'm so happy to be here with you. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself for the audience? Well, I think I'm quite an intriguing blend of uh, a meditation teacher and a yogi and an academic philosopher. Also, a, a psycho-spiritual method developer. So, so this, this combination, I think, uh, reflects my diverse interests, but all of them, I think, boil down to just one passion, which is transformation, spiritual transformation, because even as an academic philosopher, I study ancient forms of transformative philosophy from Plato and Socrates to to ancient Indian philosophy. So that's my passion in life. Yeah. And that is quite a unique combination. Which one did you get started with? Well, to be honest, uh, uh, when I uh, first encountered the university life, that was, I think, when I was 22 years old, I went to the university with the hope of finding there some real knowledgeable figures who know what the meaning of life is <laughs> and who will teach me uh, the secrets of life. I was that naive. And then when I sat in front of, uh, of a philosophy philosopher, a, a philosophy um, lecturer, and she just read from paper uh, something with such a, a lifeless tone, I painfully realized that this was not the place to, to find an answer to the question of the meaning of life and to the question that, that really burned in me of who am I, you see? So then I, I had to, to abandon the university, the academic life for actually many, many years for more than 21 or 22 years. And 
then at that point I embarked on the spiritual journey. So that was a whole different type of study. It was a, a subjective study, studying myself, my own consciousness, the way my mind works. Yeah. And did you get started with that through like studying a specific part of history or in kind of seeing how that applied to you? Or did you get started through like, you know, meditation and, and yoga or what, what kind of kickstarted your journey? Well, it did start with, uh, with Eastern philosophy and Eastern practice. I think that, that I was particularly uh, drawn to, uh, to Hindu practices and to Buddhist practices. Uh, so although my first spiritual teacher was actually a Westerner, he was a former Israeli teacher. So, but I think, but he was also heavily influenced by, by Hindu philosophy and practice. <laughs> so that was just the same. So that, that, that was the beginning. And for that, I also uh, uh, went uh, to India to meet uh, uh, several gurus. And that started, I think, initiated a, a, an intense process of, of self-search for, for at least two years. Yeah, that's quite a while to just kind of sit and focus on who you are and what it is you're looking for in this life. Like, that's a really big question and quite a lot of time to just like sit and focus on that. Well, I, I think that I think that one of the the most amazing things that uh, that that uh, puzzled and and even shocked me at the, at the beginning was the, the realization that we are doing all these many things in life, that we are pursuing all these projects and uh, and endeavors, and and still we don't know who we are. You see, our true identity, our self, is a mystery to us. Yeah, I I think that's true. I mean, you kind of understand yourself on a basic level where you're like, I think this is what I want, and I'm not sure quite why, but I think it'll make me happy if I achieve it. And I bet there's probably a lot more under that if we really, you know, took a lot of time and sat down, we could figure it out. But you know, I think I think most of us are moving too fast. Exactly. Yes, let, 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 let's put it let, let's put it in a in an interesting way. There is we all know that that we are alive, right? This is this is a fact. We were all alive, but we also know that we are conscious of being alive. That's what uh, makes us, I think, uh, interesting as and uh, uh, as as humans. You see, that what that's what makes us humans, but also what complicates our lives. Because this kind of duality of, of being alive, but also being conscious of the fact that you're alive creates a certain conflict because you, you have a sort of a distant view of, of your own life, of your own actions. But in this also lies the, the mystery of your being, which, me, which is consciousness, the part that, that knows that it is alive. This is the part that in spirituality, in meditation, we begin to investigate. Yeah. Is there a best practice for everyone out there who's never tried to, you know, dig a little deeper into themselves? Is there like a step one on how to start 
you know, looking inwards. Yes, definitely. And and this is the thing. It, it all depends on how basic you want it to be. Because, because uh, I think uh, traditionally, the most basic type of practice would be what uh, the, the, the class of meditations uh, that that uh, is only meant to help you to learn to focus, to focus on just one thing. You see, because we uh, we have such a scattered mind, we have uh, so many voices in us uh, that even to be asked to meditate, we find it extremely challenging because we, we don't have this unified being within us. You see, so so the, the first thing that, that people are, are sometimes in, instructed to do in traditions is take a candle flame and just gaze at it for 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 some time you see so so just keep returning to that flame um, and and leave behind your thoughts so that is that is a, a very basic practice and but but there are more uh, more sophisticated forms of this practice which uh, are mantras Mantras are simply certain statements or, or, or syllables or, or a certain pronouncements that you need to, to let reverberate a, a within your mind. So that is, that is also one form of, one way of unifying your mind. You have just one thought to focus on. This, this thought is a certain, a, sacred sound you see so the, the, this is why i think uh, the the most successful meditation in the history of humanity has been a transcendental meditation that uh, uh, was imported to to the west by uh, maharishi Mahesh yogi so this is this is the the most widespread meditation because it it it's it really appeals to to be, to beginners' minds. You see, because because it simply offers you a, a specially tailored mantra that you need to or to to contemplate twice a day. So this is this are, this is just one form, the form of concentration. Another expression of this of this type of meditation is mindfulness of breathing. And mindfulness of breathing is, is uh, also a very widespread spread type of meditation. And this is simply being a word. This, this was brought to us by the Buddha 2,500 years ago. <laughs> and it's still valid because it's very simple, but it's, the philosophy behind it is actually extremely profound. Yeah, I mean... How far back does meditation go? Is that like, is that the oldest version we know of, or is it even older than that? Oh, older than that. Actually, well, the oldest extant documents that tell us about the practice of meditation uh, are about 2,800 years ago. But we actually uh, know for a fact that, that there are meditating figures depicted or engraved in uh, in Indian caves uh, and these 
uh, are from really a really long time ago, perhaps 3,000 years ago, perhaps even more. Wow. So quite, I mean, it literally is older than our written history. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and sometimes I try to imagine how meditation was, was born, you see, <laughs> because because somehow it had to, to start. And I think that, uh, and, uh, that one day somebody said quite unintentionally and perhaps was in a sensitive state, uh, an attentive state, and something happened to this person, some, some kind of a shift of consciousness, some kind of, a, of an increased tranquility. And then uh, other people came to him and asked him, what did you do just now to, to attain this state? Because you look so happy. <laughs> and, then, and then he started thinking, well, what did I do? You see? And then he, he came up uh, with some kind of a patterned process that tried to, uh, to simulate that, that moment. In time, I think that this is how many meditations have come into being. <laughs> yeah, almost by accident. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think I am probably most familiar, very uh, at a beginner level, I would say, with like the breathing process that you were mentioning that's Buddhist. You know, I just... I kind of sit there and just try and think about my breathing. And I guess that's kind of the part that has always, you know, worked to calm me down or just kind of reset where I'm at. Are there a lot of techniques like that? Like mindfulness of breathing where this is, this is the point. The, the point is that, that whenever you direct your awareness your consciousness and you and you focus on a certain on a certain object in order to steal your mind to calm your senses to calm your intellect and emotions this is meditation so you can say that not only that there there are a lot of techniques like that but but most of the meditation techniques are like that but the question is how you achieve this kind of what what you're describing, I think, is this kind of sense of unity of of mind, body, and breathing. So this brings you back to the here and now. This is an uh, this is one very popular term in spirituality nowadays. Uh, here and now means that that you are completely here. You're not daydreaming. You're not fantasizing because, from a spiritual perspective, we're all daydreaming. You see, because we lack this component of consciousness. So then breathing is the simplest and, and quickest way. It is the most accessible way to, to reality because that's actually the process that connects you with life, the real connection, not through thoughts, not through emotions, but through your in-breath, and out breath, you are in constant communion with the world. So that's why it's the, it's the simplest technique. But if you're asking about a similar technique, I could think, for, for instance, of another Buddhist process called walking meditation. 
and in walking meditation, which, which you can actually practice even while walking to your fridge to, or to, to, to grab some, a glass of water. So on your way, you are walking at a slower pace than usual and, and with the intention not to only to focus on your destination, but also on your path. So this means that, that you become fully conscious of, of the walking process and you also align this with your breathing. So now you have a unity of physical movement, mind and breathing. So whenever you become a unified being, you stop being so scattered, so, so uh, uh, much all over the place, you are beginning to meditate. Of course, that's just the beginning phase of meditation. Yeah, I mean, it sounds almost like people could do this accidentally and then find out later that they have been meditating, you know, to some extent the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, yes. It's whenever I think, you know, one day I think a friend sat with me, it was many years ago, he sat with me and he tried to understand what this meditation is all about. And I tried to, to express it, I think not very successfully. And then he said, he saved me actually at that moment. He said, do, do you mean for, uh, um, that it is like something that I had not long ago? I was climbing the stairs and suddenly I had this feeling that, that this moment is all there is, that there is no other moment, that there is actually no time, that this is reality. And that, that was exactly it. It's, it's, it's when you are centering your being in this very moment, that's, that's the beginning of the foundation of meditation. And, you know, with everything trying to get there, trying to like bring you into, as you said, the here and now, do you see specific benefits over one way of doing it versus another? Specific benefits? Well, I think it all, it all depends on, on what you want to achieve from meditation. You see, I, 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 I've just published a, a book recently uh, about, about uh, 35 meditations from, from all over the world. And because of the overwhelming diversity of meditation techniques, also, also depending on the, on the specific tradition, because uh, Muslim and, uh, and uh, Christian and Jewish uh, meditation techniques are entirely different to those we find in the, in the East. So because of the overwhelming diversity, I needed to find a way to divide the world of meditation into seven categories. Of course, this is not, not, not necessarily such a, an elegant <laughs> division, but it's useful, I think, because then it, it, it allows you, it enables you to examine what type or what purpose do you, do you seek to fulfill through meditation? So, so here, is, here is the question, because when you ask me about the benefits, it depends on how, uh, how profound you, uh, you want your insight to be. Uh, do you want it just to be a sort of uh, aid in stress relief? 
Do you want it to open your heart and to enable you to, to discover what love is? You see, or do you want to experience inner power or inner joy or inner stability? So these are different purposes. And it's interesting that we kind of, like, you know, we developed these all across the world in all different types. Like you said, you compiled, you know, 35 and then tried to fit them into seven different categories. It's interesting that we're all, you know, the same basic human, but we created all these different types of things to get to a different point, even though it's all meditation in, you know, in its core. Right, exactly, exactly. But uh, I think I think we need to to add to that the fact that uh, that we humans, our consciousness is a magnificent thing. I think that 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 uh, that uh, sometimes we get excited about uh, about uh, discovering all kinds of countries and all kinds of uh, of uh, uh, special places or, or or certain attractions and adventures. And we hardly realize that inside of us, there is a, an unending adventure that has multiple uh, uh, possibilities. So when you, when you embark on the uh, process of meditation, on the journey of meditation, you begin to, to realize that, that you can travel and travel and travel inside yourself <laughs> and never get enough. So because of that, we, we have different facets or different uh, dimensions of our being that need to be explored through meditation. Some, so, some of these can, can be, can be uh, again, heart op opening or the dimension of our, or the immovable, immovable dimension of our being, stillness, joy. All of these need to be uh, discovered as unconditional qualities of our being. That means qualities that do not depend on external triggers. We don't need the world to have these qualities developed or discovered. Well, it's interesting that, you know, you could do all of this work and change from the inside and become, you know, more who you are. You know, like you said, figuring out your deeper self, that would change your trip as well. Saying you're going to go to India, right? Like I'm going to visit tomorrow. If I said I'm, I'm just going to hop on a plane and go. Are you? I'm not. <laughs> but if I said I was going to, yes, I would have a much different experience than if I, you know, sat here and I said I'm going to try you know, very intensive meditation for the next two years straight and mm. then go to India. Like, I'm going to have a mm. much different experience because I have a different understanding of myself. And maybe I'm looking for something different or maybe I just experience the moment different because I'm aware of something deeper in me that I wasn't aware of when I first started. Exactly. Exactly. That That's beautifully said because... Do we, we, we can travel everywhere on Earth and perhaps even on Mars if we are uh, um, <laughs> we're going to do that probably sometime soon. Um, but we still don't know the traveler. 
you see we don't know the the one who travels the the one the one who searches and the one who experiences so so the, the, this is the thing we we don't know the the subject that that is experiencing everything and and for this reason we can we can have many different experiences externally and still as long as we don't bring the quality of our own being it is like a, a certain uh, i call it our other half you see we are looking for our other half romantically almost everyone feels this kind of of what, what we can call it heartbreak or, or the half heart you see that, that that our heart is is a half that seeks a, another half to complete it and i think that that the, that because we we don't know meditation we are so obsessed with having a, a, the other half of ourselves represented in another person a child a, a romantic partner or whatever but as soon as you are begin to discover your other half which is your your invisible being your invisible part your innermost self you are actually incomplete forever and then when you are incomplete you will begin to uh, to project your incompleteness on on the other that you finally found <laughs> and expect them to fulfill these unrealistic expectations yeah it reminds yes. me i had someone say to me once you know when i was asking them because they're a relationship expert and so i was asking them you know well what do you find like what is it i'm looking for in a partner what should i be looking for and they said don't ever look for someone that completes you because you'll never find it instead look for someone that complements your life like it's great mm. that they're here and if they're not here you're still a whole person outside of that mm. that's that's brilliant yes that that's that's brilliant advice i think i think we uh, i think if we if we have meditation on our side if we have meditation as as our as our support as our, as our source of this realization we can actually uh, follow this advice fully you see because otherwise otherwise we will still feel this nagging incompleteness and i think this sense of nagging incompleteness is actually helpful because it is a call from spirit this is how how i, I would I mean, without sounding really too religious i hope it's uh, because it's our own spirit it's our own consciousness that that uh, that hasn't been explored and I'll ask this if we were say I've I've done the basic work and I've kind of figured out how to focus my mind on something right I I was looking into a candle flame or I've focused on my breathing <laughs> you know what right. it is that like learned I learned how to focus is there a direction I should try and work on first like should I try and work on opening up my heart or should I be looking for something else what do you mean by by look for look for some something else? I just mean like you know, as you said, there's lots of things that you have to kind of search for internally. Yes, yes, kind yes. of work towards. Is there like a best first one to to aim towards, or is that just like it'll happen when it happens? 
I think I think there, there there is a certain uh, first challenge that no one can bypass. You see, un unless there is uh, some sort of uh, spiritual geniuses, because uh, because we've had this uh, throughout history, some some kind of spiritual geniuses who didn't really need to go through all the all the steps. You see, but but for the rest of us. <laughs> I would say that that the, the first uh, group of of meditations is the the one that that the, that is meant that is designed to relieve your existential tension because we all suffer from a, a certain existential tension. It's uh, <laughs> you're you're nodding. Yeah, yes. I'm nodding for those that can't see. <laughs> I am definitely nodding. <laughs> yes, because. We we feel uh, uh, first of all that uh, that that we are uh, not uh, not fully restful or not fully um, stable or at home within ourselves and within our bodies. This is actually an indication of 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 the existence of existential tension. One of the 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 expressions of or one of the the, the type of a type of experience that enhances this existential tension is is also all kinds of accumulated traumas, because we we feel that that life is, keeps changing, that life is unstable, that life is well uh, uh, often uh, resistant to our wishes and uh, and uh, and commands, and <laughs> and as a result we we enter a a, a, a certain battle with life a certain struggle and for this reason the, the first thing that we we need to do is to resolve what i call our problem consciousness because uh, we have a certain feeling that there's always a problem to solve that's what uh, that's what uh, uh, our mind uh, tells us uh, I, I believe by the way that it is uh, that it has certain primordial reasons, because th th think uh, for 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 a moment how human thought first came into being. We were prehistoric beings, and then we had this uh, this ability to think. Now, what what would our thought do first? It would naturally start planning ahead. Because because it lives uh, uh, in a in an environment that is full of dangers, right? And 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 it needs to protect itself. It so so it begins to to think how to how to control its environment, how to how to plan ahead, how to uh, to make sure that that it resolves all these immediate problems. Now this this thought, this type of thinking has developed in time into a, a something that, that has completely gone out of control, you see? Because now it, it, our thinking always looks for problems to solve, even when there are none, even when we are in a completely protective environment. So we need to separate ourselves from this type of thinking. And for this, the, the, the best group of meditations is the one that, that, that helps you ground yourself 
and align your body and mind. This includes uh, mindfulness of breathing. It includes walking meditation. There's always, there's also standing meditation where you stand like a tree. This comes from the world of Qigong. There is a, a body scan when you're, it, this comes from the, from the Buddhist world and it has a version of, of uh, by, developed by John Kabat-Zinn where you are simply aware of your sensations and you make friends with them, whether pleasant or unpleasant. And there is Zazen, which is simply sitting in a certain position. This comes from the world of Zen Buddhism. So whatever uh, starts with your body is the best beginning for, for our meditative journey because the first thing we need to do is to be able to settle in our body and to be anxiety free. Yeah, to kind of calm that inner voice that says, like, you got to do this fast because we don't have time. Like, we're, we're running out of time right now. It's all coming to an end. And you're like, I got to focus. I got to stop that voice from controlling anything that I do. Because, like you said, it's always looking for a problem. So you're like, I can either let it try and find a problem or make one up. Or I can try to shut it out a little and focus on what I'm doing just for today, just for right now. Exactly, exactly. In meditative terms, this is called uh, the experience of inner stability. You see, because, because the thing is that we keep expecting and, and trying to, to uh, manipulate life into uh, becoming a place of constant stability where there are no disruptions and no, and no changes. So we want life to unfold in our own con under in our own conditions and as we want it to be. Now this is because we we feel that that if life could be stable enough, could be easygoing and and eternally pleasant, then we would be able to relax. You see, but that's of course that that's not going to happen. Life is not going to do that for you. <laughs> and and this is actually be, be, and this is not because life is cruel, but from a meditative point of view, it's because life is telling you, you need to discover that I'm not going to be stable for you because you need to become stable yourself. There is a certain experience of stability that cannot be taken away from you. And by the way, you can you when you become a, a professional an advanced meditator, this is also how you, you measure, your test, your meditative ability, whether it, it's been just words or an actual attainment. This is when life really goes wrong. Everything falls apart, you see? Everything goes insane. And, and the question is, are you going to, to still experience this inner stability? When you have this sense of inner stability in the midst, in the eye of the storm, then you know that you have begun to, to understand what meditation is. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you described it, you're like, we want this perfect situation where 
everything is very static. Like it's not changing. There's no, exactly. there's nothing happening to us. I mm. think that would actually give me an immeasurable amount of anxiety <laughs> because I would be like, everything's about to collapse at all times. It can't just stay like this. Like that would, that would give me an internal panic. Hmm. Yes, yes. This is the thing. We we always say that 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 we want life to be to be static, but then we also we also get bored or we or we become anxious and we want it to then change. Which means that that we want life to be static when it's uh, when it's it's fine with us, but but that uh, that that we will be able to make changes where as long as it is up to us. You see, we just don't want life to change. <laughs> But but uh, sometimes when when I, I give talks I I, I tell people uh, I ask them to imagine what it's like uh, to be in heaven because sometimes we uh, because life is so unstable and so disruptive we have developed this fantasy about heaven where everything is statically perfect you see nothing happens and then I ask them. Will do you really think that you will be able to 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 stand that th that you will not want to disrupt it sooner or later? You see, because I think that, that then we will be bored. We will want some change to to take place. Yeah, we want an unnatural ability to control literally the entire world around us. Like that's the yes. fantasy is to be like, I want <laughs> absolutely perfect control to say everything is perfect. And there is a supernatural reason as to why it can't change. Yes, 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 yes. That, that is the, the fantasy of, of perfect control. And this is why we, our mind wouldn't stop talking, wouldn't stop chatting. You see, because it always tries to, to look for ways to, to control everything. That's extremely tiresome, but we don't know how to stop it. And we are not convinced that, that life could go well without controlling it. Now, all of this controlling really happens in, in, in a dimension that is completely illusory. We don't really control anything, you see? But we are, we tr we think that we are. Yeah, I mean, you can't even control what happens to you. You just get to respond, you know, you control your response and that's it. Exactly. This is, this is exactly the point. When you, when you realize that, that you, only, that you mainly control your response, then you begin to, to take care of, of the quality of your response. Now you know what what the the, the most interesting thing about uh, about meditation is that the first thing it tells you stop responding it it stop reacting could you go through life even for one day without continuously reacting to things you see categorizing them into good and bad pleasant and unpleasant labeling them and instead, just just meet life without a mediation, without a, the, this go-between of the mental world. That's, I think, uh, if you if we just try this for for one hour, this is the, the the results are astonishing. Yeah, and I like it because you know what you're saying is stop responding. 
if you don't respond, you know, the only thing we control, then you kind of have, you have a moment where you see like, okay, everything else that happens when I stop responding is entirely out of my control. And I don't have to consider like how I can change that. You're like, nope, those things are happening and they're going to continue to happen. And now that I've stopped responding, I know exactly what I can and can't affect. Yes. Yes. Then you, you are beginning to, to realize that life has its own way to resolve itself. <laughs> Problems very often disentangle themselves. And sometimes when you are a, a relieved of, of problem consciousness, then you're also realizing that, that many problems that you thought you had actually, uh, actually don't exist. You were just making them up. So, so, so that, that, that's the thing, I think, well, when, because meditation, the, one of the major things that it, it shows us is that many things that we thought we had to resolve in our life are actually don't need to be resolved at all because they are not problems. Yeah, and you're like, you can't do anything about it. So just let it happen and then let it resolve itself and you didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Interesting. Yes. Do you? I just have these thoughts where, like, I have sat on a nice day and enjoyed the weather and done absolutely nothing, and then before I know it, you know, eight hours has passed. Is oh. that is that like people accidentally slipping into a meditative state? Yes, yes. And unless I was daydreaming, which which is a possibility, because I, for instance, I could. I could have drifted uh, into uh, to some some fantasies or or uh, and 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 that that was the the factor that that made me kept me so forgetful or uh, made me overlook the time. But if you mean by that 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 I I was just there being open to my environment, open to, to the nature around me, or, or just, just uh, allowing myself to, to unfold as my, in a natural way, yes, this is an expression of meditation. Yeah, interesting, because I just thought about that. I'm like, there have to be moments in everyone's life, and it doesn't have to be a long period of time, where they just accidentally start meditating, and they don't even know they're doing it, because... They've never heard that you can, you know, meditate while walking. They're just entirely mm -hmm. conscious of what's happening. And then when they're done, they're like, well, oh, that was weird. And you're like, yeah, you were accidentally meditating. Yes, because, because the thing is that meditation, and this is, I think, what, what is important to emphasize, because we've been talking about meditation for quite, for quite a while. And I don't want the listener and us to, to fall into the trap of thinking that meditation is, is hard work. You see, because we may think that, that meditation is all, about, is all about focusing and all about doing, but it is very important to understand that ultimately meditation is about non-doing. It's actually the first time in your life when you do nothing, not only externally, but also internally. Because you see, there is... There is the outer doer, the one that, that of course, is engaged uh, in, in daily activities, and that uh, the, the, this one we know very well. 
and it's a needed door. But then there is the, the inner door, the one that even when there, when there is no need to do anything externally, keeps doing from within, busying itself, occupying itself and narrowing its attention and, and being completely ignorant of life all around. So if I am able to begin to, to loosen this, this kind of center in me, this kind of inner door, this rigid, this, this uh, busy uh, guy, <laughs> and, and, and allow my mind to, to open up, to actually unfocus, to stop doing, then this is, this is the simplest, most effort, effortless meditation. Because the thing with meditation, the key to meditation is to realize that meditation is already there. The meditative state is, is so natural to, you, to our mind that all we need to do is, is to sink into it, to relax into it rather than create it. I think that's a great way to describe it, to just say, like, you already have the ability to do it. You don't have to put in a lot of work. You don't have to put in years upon years of training just to figure it out. It's in there. You just have to not do. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. And that, well, the, the ear, ear, you see, the, 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 I think the world of meditation is, uh, is divided into two groups, two schools. That's a gross generalization sorry uh, but uh, two two groups the one group uh, says you need to work really hard to become a good meditator you need to focus you need to observe you need to uh, to try this to try that but then there is the the other group that says meditation is actually our natural state of being therefore what we do is uh, is what we need to do is to allow it you see, and here there, there, there are certain meditations, for instance, Zazen. Zazen, from the world of Zen meditation, actually tells you sit in, in, in a certain position. It's, it's not that complicated. Sit and just be and realize that in this sitting, this sitting is already enlightenment. It's not that you are seeking enlightenment, but by sitting, you are already steeped in enlightenment. Or there is the, uh, another um, meditation called Dojen, which, is, which comes from the world of Tibetan Buddhism. And they tell you, enlightenment is already here. It's, it's, it's in the gaps between every thought and, and, and the following thought. There, there, there is a, a gap. Thoughts don't flow in, in ceaseless and unbroken chain. There are certain gaps. Also, by the way, when you are aware of your breathing, a certain gap. And in this gap, if you fall into it, that's already meditation. So uh, it all depends on, on what school you want to belong to or you want to, to flow from, from one another <laughs> interchangeably. <laughs> yeah, like it certainly doesn't hurt you to, to learn all of the styles to see which one kind of suits, you know, your mindset best. Exactly. Yes, yes. And yes. I know we've kind of talked about, and I know I've kept you a while. Thank you very much for that. But we kind of talked about, you know, using meditation and overcoming 
you know, like the anxiety that you feel and things like that, can you also use it to overcome like a physical pain in the moment? Say like I have injured my shoulder in some way and I just need to like, can I, for a, a lack of better way to say it, can I breathe through it? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's a good question. And I think, uh, uh, first of all, in terms of, uh, of research, scientific research, what they've discovered is very interesting. I, I once met, uh, met a certain professor, a university professor, who is also a researcher in the field of meditation and body-mind connections and so on. And he told me with frustration that, that, he has, that he had been researching meditation for many years and he was really hoping to discover, to prove that meditation can help you uh, to relieve your physical pain. <laughs> because he's also a medical doctor, but, and, and, but, but eventually he had to, to admit that it, it isn't exactly so, but that what meditation is great at, what, what it can do in relation to your pain is that it enables you to, uh, it enhances your ability to contain it or, and, to, and to handle it. So it's more pain management than, rather than uh, actual pain relief. But le let me tell you uh, one thing that, that I do. Whenever I go, whenever I have a, a certain physical pain, or uh, for, for instance, if I return from a very uh, difficult dental surgery, and I, I, I usually don't use painkillers. This is not a, a type of ideology, but this is because I, I know the, the magic of meditation. So what I do is I return home, and I sit, I, I, I darken the room as much as possible, and I simply meditate. Now, the pain is there, but what the meditation enables me to do is, is to create a certain space, a certain wide space that, that contains the pain and, contain, and, and widens my being in a way that I'm, let's say, I'm bigger than the pain. So, so when you create this space, it's, it's like a space of, of healing. And in my experience, it does accelerate the reduction of pain. Very interesting. Because, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it's kind of an interesting thought to think, like, I am distracting myself from the pain by not distracting myself. You, you mean that by, by being with it? Yeah. Right? Yes, like... because exactly, yes. Yes. Yeah, like I'm meditating, technically I am inside of my own being, so I'm not ignoring the fact that the pain's there, but I am finding a way to not make it like the primary focus anymore. So it's distracting by not distracting. Yes, because we, we, we know two states. Either we are completely focused on the pain and we want it to go away, or we are uh, seeking some, some uh, quick pain relievers in order to make it go away. We don't know the third way, that of being with it, even making friends with it, breathing into it, not breathing it away, but breathing into it in, in a way that, that, that actually makes us uh, bigger than the pain. And I think that, that what, what we really in our heart of hearts, what we really want to, do, to, to experience is not 
complete pain relief because life is full of pains. This is uh, uh, inherent in life. Meditation is not going to change that. <laughs> but the ability to, uh, to, to know ourselves as bigger than our experience. Yeah. We are not our experience. We are, there is something bigger, which is our consciousness. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, you know, I just want to thank you again for being here. I know I've, I've kept you a while, but I wanted to make sure everyone could find you and where you're at and the things you do uh, if they go looking for you and looking for more. Well, the, the, the easiest way, I think, is to, to enter my website, which is uh, shytubali.com. That, that is the easiest way. And then there is also uh, my YouTube channel, which is packed with, with videos uh, uh, of all sorts. So I think this is the best way to, uh, to explore my work. And I will make sure to put links for those in the show notes. So when people are checking out this episode, all you have to do is click the description and it will open up and you can go straight to those pages. So you don't have to do anything complex. And then if they find, <laughs> you know, your YouTube channel, especially helpful, like subscribing to it, liking videos, commenting, all those things help other people find them. So if they don't necessarily find, you know, the same way you did, you can find Shy through recommendations and it helps other people to find your stuff hmm. but i have appreciated your time immensely this has been great thank you so much for being here it's been a great pleasure being with you great pleasure thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the just dumb enough podcast walking meditation is really hard i gave it a shot after doing this interview and trust me when i say that you are underestimating the slowness and immense focus you need just to not fall over if you enjoyed the episode please take a brief moment to read the show five stars on itunes spotify or audible if you really like what i'm doing remember to subscribe for more episodes every week and check out the over 100 episode backlog let me know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out and emailing me dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or by sending a message to me on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else you find me. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. That's it for this week. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you right back here on Monday. Bye bye <laughs>